Ezekiel chapter number 37, beginning in verse 1, we read that the hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, Prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and ye shall live. And ye shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath. And breathe upon these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me. And the breath came into them. And they lived and stood upon their feet. An exceeding great army. Then said he unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried. And our hope is lost. We are cut off from our parts. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and will cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into that land of Israel. And ye shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you out of your graves and shall put my spirit in you and ye shall live and shall place you in your own land. Then shall ye know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. Oh, Father, this text is too great for me. And with all the time in the world and every word in the English language, I could never explain what you have done in my heart concerning this text. But I pray, Father, that if you would allow me to give just a portion of that here this morning... Father, your spirit has been in the service and I pray now that you would empty me of myself and fill me with that same spirit. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. What a story. What a God. I would like to preach this morning a message entitled, In the Midst of the Valley. As we examine this story, oftentimes we dismiss the reality of what is being said as the story unfolds and we do not familiarize ourselves nor acquaint ourselves intimately with the grief, the anguish, not only that Ezekiel the prophet is carrying, although he carried it in the same way as Jeremiah, but also the grief, the anguish, and the despair of the household of Israel. For Ezekiel is a contemporary with Jeremiah in what I believe to be one of the darkest years, if not the very darkest years, in all of the Old Testament. 
Ezekiel is prophesying during the exile of Israel, a time which you may remember in the book of Lamentations, Jeremiah described as the kings of Babylon lay siege on Jerusalem, that things became so desperate that mothers were looking to their children for food themselves because of starvation and vexation. It was that king Zedekiah who was so confident in his heart that he was going to be able to withstand this king, that he did not yield himself to the authority of God's word and the direction of God's prophet in Jeremiah. And as a result of that, it was God who used the wicked king of Babylon to bring his wrath and judgment on the household of Israel. You remember the stories of Daniel, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego also alive in the same period of time as they are carried away, now exiled into Babylon. And it is this context that we should understand that this passage comes to life with the prophet Ezekiel. Verse number one says that he was carried out if you would, examine the text. The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of dry bones. I want you to notice, if you would please, that it was not Ezekiel's desire nor intention to end up in the midst of this valley that is filled with a picture and the reality of death. Moreover, not just any type of death, but it seems that the, the flesh, the wrath, the stench, and the decay of every ounce of organic life which was once there is now gone, and it is now described as a valley of, of dry bones, meaning that there is no hope of restoration, no hope of revival. But here it is, Ezekiel carried away to this valley, and I can only imagine his initial perception. I can't begin to explain the circumstances of your life and I don't pretend to know them, but I do know this, that we all get placed in the midst of valleys at times. And here is Ezekiel. Seeking, I believe, encouragement in the Lord. Oh, I can imagine Ezekiel opening the Psalms and reading those nourishing, soul-nourishing Psalms of David. Oh, yea, though I walk through the valley, of the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And Ezekiel is looking for encouragement. He's looking for the fact that the Lord is with him. But instead, when the Lord shows up, he does not set him on a high mountain. He does not part the sky wide open and show his glory. But instead, he takes him to this valley valley of dry bones and lowers him down into it. Perhaps it's been you who've been looking for direction of the Lord and only found that he has brought you to a valley. I want to show you a brief description of this valley. I would say first off that this valley is a dark place. And just by way of introduction, I believe that we need to understand what God is showing Ezekiel before we can get to the life that miraculously comes back. We need to see through Ezekiel's eyes. We need to see what God wanted to show Ezekiel in the darkness of that moment before we could fully comprehend the power of what God demonstrated in the revival of that moment. So that valley was a dark place. 
Looking at the geography there of Mesopotamia, Ezekiel often lived in the, near the river Chebar, and we believe that it was in that same river valley. Though the Bible does not say much about what caused these dry bones and this heap of bones to end up there, it could be inferred from the text because we read in verse number 9 that this was a great tragedy. At the close of verse number 9, we see that this breath came upon these slain. In other words, there was a terrible atrocity that caused life to be lost. Some have speculated that this was the scene of a great battle where warriors valiantly fought to the death, defending their freedom and their values and their homes. And they come to that conclusion because of what is said that at the close of verse number 10, that they are now an exceeding great army. However, I differ in my understanding of it. For the word slain here is a word in Hebrew, harag. Harag is a word that is not always, but typically used to denote a murderous event. Harag was the, the word that was used to describe the murder of Abel at the hand of Cain. As Joseph's brothers gathered around him in this pit deciding what to do and the decision teint was slouching towards murder, Harag was the Hebrew word that was used it was Moses who lifted up his hand against the Egyptian in defiance to what he had done to the Hebrews. And he killed him once again, Harag. He slayed him. And it is my understanding because of that, that this was a terrible atrocity. This was not a battle. And the dead are now slain and laying there. But instead, I believe this to have been a massive execution of sorts. You see, Ezekiel was placed by the Spirit of God in a valley. And that valley, it was a dark place. Just because you may be in a dark place this morning, it does not mean that God does not intend to do a work, but instead He desires to open your eyes in this valley. Not only was it a dark place, but by way of description of this valley, it was a distant place. It was a distant place. In verse number 1, we read that the hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the Spirit of the Lord. In other words, there was this delivery of Ezekiel from those surroundings that he was accustomed to, and now he is far from them. And not only that, but he is very far away from that holy land that he calls home, that city of Jerusalem, that Mount Zion, that place of sacrifice, that temple of God's presence for all of those things had been desecrated and demolished, and the walls themselves laid in heaps and rubble. And he was a captive in exile and a foreign land. And sometimes when the Lord carries us away and places us in the midst of the valley, it's not just a dark place, but it's a distant place. And you feel that there's no familiarity around you and, and you don't know what to do because nothing is there to, to set your feet upon and you're so far away from help. Not as a, just a dark place and a distant place, but I notice in this text it's a detestable place. Verse number 2 as he lands in the midst of this valley, it says, and he caused me to pass by them. Who are the them? That's the bones. 
Now this is up for your own personal interpretation, but I believe that yes, he was looking at them describing the individual bones, but I think more so than that, as he was looking at those bones, he was remembering that these were once men and perhaps women uh, that were full of life and hope and possibility and, and dreams and aspirations. And as he goes around this detestable place, he was caused to pass by them. But it was not just enough to pass by and, and glance sporadically at those bones, those deceased that are laying in that valley. But the Bible says that the Lord does something that we see and perhaps could even think is irreconcilable with the Lord's nature, for he is merciful. And and gracious and loving, but yet he comes to Ezekiel and it says that he caused me to pass by them round about, round about, meaning that it was not just one passing glance, but there was this encirculation that he must do as he looks round about at every angle and his eyes are held captive, not by his own will, but caused by the Spirit of the Lord to gaze into those hollowed skulls. He says this is a detestable place. Not only is it a detestable place, but it's also a destitute place. Destitute, meaning that there is no hope here. In verse number 11, he hears the bones cry out through the voice of the Lord, and the, bone, the bones themselves say this. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say... Our bones are dried. Our hope is lost. And we are cut off from our parts. Our hope is dry. Our bones are dry. There's nothing left to give from within. Our hope is lost. There's no hope of someone else helping. And we are cut off from our parts. We can't even pull ourselves together. And this is the perspective of the valley through the eyes of the prophet Ezekiel as carried to him by the Lord. He's speaking of the future, the current state and the future restoration of Israel, but we learn some glorious things about our God through this text that's been preserved for us. And I would now like to draw your attention to what Ezekiel learned in the midst of that valley. Because what he saw took place in that valley was not a work of his hands. What he saw take place in that valley was not manipulated by his power. What he saw take place in that valley at the onset of Ezekiel's arrival in the valley, he saw a place that was dark, he saw a place that was distant. He saw a place that was detestable. He saw a place that was destitute. He saw a place at which there was absolutely no life. And then God showed up. And when God showed up and God's word began to speak to the prophet, hey, listen, and through the prophet, God 
did a miraculous work. And God comes to Ezekiel in verse number 4. And he says again, I say unto me, prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And as the prophet begins to speak, sinew begins to wrap around and connect those bones. Flesh begins to fill out those bones as the tendons and the muscles connect, as the veins begin to course and make their way like the intricate map through the muscular system of those bodies, as the nervous system begins to sprout from the brain and down the spine and down every limb and facet and every member of that body. And now the skin begins to cover it all up and the hair begins to grow and the eye begin to form and the tongue begins to receive a moisture but yet there is not yet breath and the word of God comes to Ezekiel again and as that word of God comes to Ezekiel one more time he says in verse number 9 then said he unto me prophesy unto the wind prophesy son of man and say to the wind thus saith the Lord God come from the four winds O breath and breathe upon these slain that they may live And so I prophesied as he commanded me. And the breath came into them. And they lived. And they stood upon their feet. An exceeding great army. And those that had been knit together and stitched together. Breathed into them the breath of life. By the wind of God stood upon their feet. And equipped themselves to do battle on behalf of the Lord. And this is the vision of Ezekiel. And this is what Ezekiel learned in the midst of the valley. The first thing that he learned is that we can be revived by him. The Lord may have you in a valley here this morning and it might be dark and destitute and you might not be able to see your way out and you may have more in common with the dry bones in that valley this morning than in the work that the Lord did in Ezekiel. You may be gathered here and and say the same things that those bones say. You may be saying that you're dried, that you have nothing left to give. That there is emptiness inside of you. I don't doubt that there are some that have cried so many tears here of late. uh, That even tears struggle to come to the surface for your eyes are dried up. Whereas once you were so sensitive because the valley that you are in. That it would break your heart. And that it would break you down. That now you feel nothing. And it would be better described as numb. As if to say that you are emotionally dry. And you have nothing left to offer. Maybe this morning you have more in common with those bones in Ezekiel and you would also say that hope is lost. You tried getting counseling and you've, you've tried uh, reaching out and you've tried uh, the church and you've tried friends and you've tried your job and you've tried busyness and you've tried everything and now you say in harmony with those dead dried bones that hope is lost Maybe you even look at those that once walked hand in hand with you as an encouragement, as a buckler, as a strength to you. Those that you called friend or perhaps even family. But now you echo the same words that these lifeless skulls chattered towards the Lord. That they were cut off from their parts. And if that's you... 
you can be revived by him. The Spirit of the Lord can do the impossible work in your life and in our life. For I remind you that there, the entire point of showing this valley of dry bones is to show that there was no hope. That all hope was lost. That there was no life. That all life was gone. That the evil slayers and murderous people that brought to death the life of these had triumphed. And now evil and wicked was standing on the podium of victory. And where they triumphed, it was the defeat of these. And they are demonstrating that there was no hope. But we see that with God, all things are still possible. And I pray that way. And I believe that way. I believe that a little baby down in the NICU can be revived by the power of God. I believe that a soul that has been so scarred and so broken and so hurt and so attacked can be revived by the Holy Spirit of God. I believe that a wayward child that has turned his back on God and is running from everything godly can still be reached by a holy God who loves them and whose mercies are new every morning. I believe what Ezekiel believed, and I see what Ezekiel saw, that we can be revived by him. And here we have the end of this story, not a valley of dry bones, but an exceeding great army. (laughs) I believe that God is able to raise up an army from a bunch of dry bones. And here we are, the church of the living God. And let us not miss this spiritual application for their physical problems in Israel were only the result of their spiritual defiance against God. But as they came into humble obedience to God, they would receive the Spirit of God and stand as an army for God. And we, the church of the living God, ought to pray that the same breath The same wind which filled those dry bones would fill this place, would touch our spirits, would cause us to stand as an army because God knows he's looking for worshipers, but God knows he's looking for warriors who are able to stand and go into the highways and hedges to go and reach the lost for Christ and to be lights in this world. Ezekiel learned that in the midst of the valley, we can be revived by him. There's something else that I see that Ezekiel learned that we ought to be reminded of. For when I look at verse number 13, the Bible says, Ye shall know that I am the Lord. Ye shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of the graves. He says, And shall put my spirit in you, and ye shall live, and I shall place you In your own land, then shall ye know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. What I notice most clearly about these verses is that it's the Lord reminding them that he can be trusted. You see, not only did Ezekiel learn that we can be revived by him, but he learned that we can rely on him. I did not orchestrate the songs of the service except that tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. The Lord really put that on my heart. But I love how the Lord has ordered things. 
As we have gathered on this holy ground, we can place our trust in Jesus and know the sweet, compassionate confidence that we can have in him. And what is our response? What a wonderful Savior is he. Oh, how blessed we are to have this walk with him. And the truth is that we can rely on him. And you may be in the midst of a valley and all of your confidence that you once had in him is now broken and dashed upon the rocks of cruelty and broken. Your spirit is broken by the rod of circumstance that has smitten your life. But I am assuring you of this just as certain as God assured those in that valley that he is our God and that he has not forsaken us and ye shall know that I am the Lord and you can put all of your trust and all of your confidence in him and I I think it is so interesting when he says this will take place he says "I'll, I'll tell you when you'll know that you can rely on me he says this in verse number 13 you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves O my people and brought you up out of your graves now I can't speak for you but I can speak for me this morning there have been plenty of times where I've felt I am in that grave. Oh, but every time he has brought me out. And I love it how he says, you'll know, you'll know when I bring you out of your graves that I was there the whole time. And I tell you, the most embarrassing thing about it all, it all is whenever he brings me out of that grave, I look back and I think, Oh, forgive me, Lord, for the times I doubted you. What is he saying? He's saying, hey, you can rely on him. You can rely on me. I don't know where your confidence is. Maybe your confidence is in your job, in your drugs, in your alcohol, in your lifestyle, in your religion. But put your confidence in him. You can rely on him. Oh, he says, and you'll know it when I bring you out of the grave. Oh, and that got me thinking about something else and someone else. For there was someone else who came with a message from on high who was preaching on this earth about a kingdom of heaven that is here and that is with him. And his disciples began to follow and the multitudes began to follow. And then I'll tell you what happened. A lot of people got mad about it, brought him unfairly before a trial, accused him of things that he didn't do, set him before Pilate. Pilate washed his hands and by the end of the day, he's hanging on a cross. And I remember the conversation between those two men on the road to Emmaus. How they began to discuss how they thought for sure that was him, but we guess not. And then someone joined their company. Someone joined their company that was brought up out of a grave. And that's the reason that Jesus rose. Jesus could have risen spiritually and went to the right hand of the Father and leave the tomb sealed. But that's not what he did. He didn't open the tomb so he could get out. He opened the tomb so we could get in. And here we have another that is risen from the dead so that we can know, we can rely on him. And if you think that you can get to heaven by your religious practice, 
righteousness or by your good deeds or by being a general good person, let me tell you that you can't rely on any of those things. You've never conquered death. You've never conquered your sin. Yeah, you might do good for a little while, but that old monster will well up within you again and you will trespass against God. You will disobey his commandments. You will find yourself in bitterness, in rebellion, in jealousy, in hatred, in vulgarity, and you are guilty in your sins. You can't rely on that. Oh, but there's one you can rely on, one who has defeated your sin, one who has defeated death, one who has defeated your penalty, and his name is Jesus Christ. And if you've never received him as your Savior, oh, let me tell you about my Jesus. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Just to take him at his word. Did you know his word says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you've never received him as your Savior, you can rely on him, but you must come to him. Oh, what Ezekiel learned in the midst of the valley. He learned that we can be revived by him. He learned that we can rely on him. But he also learned that we must return to him. See, that's the interesting thing about this, this whole text. When you look at it in its historical place. Is the whole reason that they were in that valley. Was because somewhere along the way. That nation had turned its back and stopped trusting Christ. They began to reject the prophet of God in Jeremiah and Ezekiel. They began to reject the things of God. And it brought them to that destitute place. And I'm certain that Ezekiel was well aware because of his current circumstance that that if turning away from God is what got us here, then turning back to God is the only thing that's going to get us out. And as he begins to see these bones and these sinew and these muscles and that skin come together, no doubt it was a work of the Lord. I I, I don't want to diminish that in any way, shape, or form because it was the work of God's hand bringing them back to him. But it took a valley to do it. And if you are in a valley, it may not be because of your sin. I don't accuse any man of that this morning. It may mean it may not be because of, of your, uh, your foolish behavior. It may be just because of the difficult circumstances of life. But regardless of all those things, I'll tell you one thing that it is. It is God trying to get you to draw near to Him, to trust in Him, to rely on Him, to return to Him. And as Ezekiel prophesies, he knows that, that these bones need nothing more than to hear the word of the Lord and then respond to them. In verse number 4 he says again, I, he said unto me, prophesy upon these bones, I say unto them, O ye dry bones. And then he concludes the verse this way, hear the words of the Lord. I don't know if it was possible or not, but I know this. Those bones heard God's word and responded. And if we are going to see the work 
of God in this place, in this time, we've got to respond. We've got to return to Him. And I'm not sure how this message and how the Lord is speaking to your heart. I have no idea how the Holy Ghost wants to get a hold of you and draw you near. Maybe some of you here are lost and undone and you need to come to Christ. You've been pushing it away. You've bowed your head. You've raised your hand long enough. But what you need to do is surrender your heart. And if that's the valley you're in, you need to return to Him. Or maybe you're here this morning. And you're in a distant, dark, destitute place. And you've just given up hope. And you need to return to Him. You return to Him. Return your hope to Him. So, Pastor Jerry, there's just no way my home is going to make it. Return your hope to Him. Now, you're going to have to listen to His Word as He guides that home. But you've got to return to Him. See, this is what we need in the midst of the valley.